Hello and welcome to the Arsenal way. Back for what is what we're describing as a relaunch uh, of what is going to hopefully be a weekly podcast on the channel. Uh, I, Tom Canton, will be joined every single week by our chief Arsenal writer, Kaya Kainak, to talk about all things Arsenal. And we're relaunching today because you may not have been aware because it's been very quiet, but it is indeed deadline day. Kaya, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. Yeah, uh, I'm just about awake throughout the uh, the deadline day. It's normally, you know, if we're on the coffees or on the Red Bulls trying to keep ourselves going until 11pm, staying on the deadline, then we're working until like 1, 2, 3 in the morning sometimes on deadline day. But it is looking like it's going to be a relatively quiet one. But that doesn't mean that nothing has happened. We're going to talk about some interesting yeah. stuff that has happened. But yeah, a uh, slightly quiet one, not just at Arsenal, but across the whole Premier League, really. A slightly quiet transfer window in general. Yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, we're going to try and talk about as many as nine different names. Maybe more in the time that we're talking about this as another crops up, but it could be that nine players uh, are up for discussion. I think that the place to start, obviously, should be with the senior team, um, of which we aren't expecting in these final hours that we record this. And we're recording this at 20 past three in the afternoon UK time, it should be said, just in case you're aware of something that we're not right now happening later on in the day that surprises us all. But no signings made. That's not a surprise to us. Are you frustrated with, and should fans be frustrated with, the lack of signings? Um, I wouldn't want to tell anyone how to how to feel, but personally I say no, um, because you can't be asking Arsenal to spend hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds in the summer and then at the same time criticising teams like Chelsea, Everton, City, Nottingham Forest for their, I guess, irresponsible spending. And then also saying, well, why can't Arsenal go out and sign more and more and more? And, I think, to be honest, it's the right thing for Arsenal to do, to, to play within the rules. We, we criticise other teams for falling outside of the Premier League's profit and sustainability regulations. And as we can see across the whole Premier League, I think the vast majority of teams haven't brought in anyone on a permanent deal and very few have brought anyone in on loan as well. I think Tottenham are one of the, the few teams to have been quite active this window. Uh, beyond that, it's been pretty quiet across the Premier League. So I get why people might be frustrated, given that there is obvious shortness in this Arsenal squad. And Mikel Arteta himself has said, look, we're short. Mm. But I don't think these short-term sticking plasters that people want in transfer windows are always necessarily the right thing. And obviously, there was all the talk about Ivan Tony and a striker coming in. But Arsenal never had the money to spend. And I think something that got lost was that they need to pay Brentford for David Raya. So that money is going to have to be found from somewhere. So... It wasn't as simple as that. And I don't think Brentford were ever going to let him go. And from my understanding, there's not a huge amount of interest from Arsenal in that side of the deal. So, yeah, it was always going to be a, a difficult one um, to get someone like him in. And obviously, we'd all like to see Arsenal bring in a, a striker. And yes, a loan deal for a striker who could have helped Arsenal between now and the end of the season would have been fantastic. But who is that player? Who is he that's going to come in and be better than Gabriel Jesus, who a team are willing to let go on loan? who, uh, you know, his wages aren't going to be too expensive, who's going to be able to play in multiple positions, adapt quickly to Mikel Arteta's style of play, help in both the Champions League and the Premier League, not be cup-tied. Like, you know, once you start putting in all those mitigating circumstances, it's a very difficult player to go out and find. So, yeah, obviously a striker would have been great, but I think everyone's kind of accepted it for the past few weeks now, given that the, sort of the noise on social media and the way people have been reacting, that it was never going to be a busy transfer window for Arsenal, and, and thus it has panned out. Yeah, you're right. I, I think that it's, it's it's never necessarily even about a reluctance to spend. There's been so many years over the past decade where fans have been frustrated by a reluctance from Arsenal to spend money. But in reality, this time around, we're talking about 
an inability to move freely um, with the money that we'd want to spend if we could. Arteta talks, as you mentioned, about the thinness of the squad. If we could recruit, if we could go out and sign the players that we want, I'm sure that the club would do that. But we aren't able to because of the restrictions that are in place. Uh, regarding potential outgoings, though, we've not seen something which would have maybe allowed Arsenal to, to do business this window, which would have been a sale um, from one of their kind of main players if the likes of Eddie Nketiah or Reese Nelson or Emil Smith-Rowe, who have all, of course, played minutes during this January uh, into February period as well, were to have been sold. It would have given Arsenal some freedom to move. But one of the players that maybe we thought might move and could still, depending on the opening of, of markets that remain open beyond when the English deadline is, is, is Cedric, who's you know garnered interest from Turkey uh, amongst other clubs. I think we reported as well that some Spanish clubs were showing some interest in him as well. Um, but what can you tell us about why that move hasn't happened yet? Um, I just, I'll come to that in a second. I just want to talk about those Hailenders because you mentioned them and it's just brought it to my mind. So sure. the guys who are in the first team, you're Ian Kettias, you're Emil Smith-Rose, Reese Nelson. Um, so yeah, on, on Emil and, and Reese, obviously there was uh, reported interest in West Ham, uh, from West Ham, sorry, that was shot down pretty quickly um, yeah. when we did uh, a bit of research into that. I asked a few people on, on both sides and all three sides of, of the deal there and then all of them shot it down pretty quickly. And I think the reason people were maybe um, open to that as a suggestion was the fact that obviously academy players go down as 100% profit on the uh, profit and sustainability regulations on the balance sheets at the end of the year and all that kind of stuff. It just it did make sense for Arsenal to try and move someone on. But what people forgot when they started playing sort of a bit of football manager maths in their head was if Emil Smith-Rowe had gone for, let's say, I don't know, £30 million, he would have needed to have been replaced. And you don't really find players with Emil Smith-Rowe's quality for £30 million. And also the David Dreyer factor that we mentioned earlier on in the show. So it was never going to be likely that Arsenal were going to let, get rid of their hell end products this window. I think in the summer, that could be something that they start to look at. And Eddie and Ketty is a really interesting one because Crystal Palace were interested. They made approaches, but a deal didn't come to fruition. Um, because Arsenal felt they wanted to keep him and they couldn't replace him this window. So that's one to keep an eye on in the summer because all three of those are interesting contract conditions. Smith-Rowe will have two years left on his deal. Nketiah will have three years left on his deal. Nelson will have four years left on his deal. So mm. Arsenal are in strong contract positions with all three of those players and could potentially get good fees if they decide to sell. Although, you know, I for one would love to see Will Smith-Rowe stay um, at Arsenal and, and go on to have a good career as he's threatening to and play quite well against Nottingham Forest, as you've written about on the site, Tom. Yeah, yeah, those are interesting deals, I think, and just worth noting why they didn't happen and why they were never really more sort of why they were non-starters. This was worth having a look. Yeah, Uh, I think the freedom that we would have got from any of those sales, even if it was say you get you know a good fee in for a Smith Rowe, are you going to be able to replace that player in January with a player of the same level of quality? You know, maybe you could argue for Reese Nelson or potentially in Ketia, but even then, I, I don't see the strikers that you can get in January that are going to cost you you know more than double what you're gonna you're gonna get in for for Smith Rowe and and things like that in in this window. And you've got to have the interest as well as we talked about, and as you mentioned though that what we heard was shot down pretty quickly, and that's necess- not necessarily come to the fore on any of those those players. Um, but yeah, Cedric, um, getting back to him and, and his situation, because that's what the people want to know about. Uh, what's, uh, what's going on with him? Yes, this has been seven and a half minutes of, of foreplay leading up to the final yes. Cedric chat. We're, we're here now. Um, yeah, so Galatasaray were interested. Um, they were looking at him as a potential option because Sacha Bowie 
had obviously gone to Bayern Munich. They needed to replace him. They went instead for Serge Aurier. Uh, Besiktas, also another side who were interested uh, in him. And that deal is not totally off the table. Um, there are people who have been telling me today that you know, Besiktas could still make a move. Obviously, it's worth noting that the Turkish transfer window doesn't close until February the 9th. So there's still plenty of time for that deal to be done, if it is to be done. Um, however, with Cedric, the difficulty is he is on £100,000 per week. And Arsenal would like to find someone who can take that off their hands. But from what I've been told, no one has pushed significantly to do that, especially for a player who's going to be available on a free in the summer where they can negotiate some some better wages or maybe some more, um, I guess, financially viable wages for some of the teams. Because for a team like Galatasaray or Besiktas, £100,000 per week is a lot of money. Um, Villarreal also were interested. And for them, £100,000 per week would be a lot of money as well. So that kind of deal was going to be difficult to get across the line. Um, it definitely was a possibility and there were lots of people trying to make it happen. But unfortunately, it doesn't look as though it's going to be happening. Besiktas were in talks with Arsenal earlier in the window, but um, it's 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 looking less likely now. But like we say, plenty of time left in the Turkish transfer window. So time for that to happen still on, yeah, I guess what is unsurpri- well, somewhat surprisingly become the, the biggest transfer saga of the, the 2024 January transfer window from an Arsenal perspective is, is Cedric Suarez, but still a way to go on that one. Mm, 2024 starting with a bang uh, indeed uh, for Arsenal transfers hopefully the summer is going to be far more exciting uh, however there are uh, a number of youth players we just mentioned some Haylenders uh, that are currently in the senior team some players that are hoping to get some minutes uh, away from the club maybe to, to have a pathway back into the senior team Charles Sago Jr is one as we just as we were going live on this it was reported uh, just before we went in this that he has agreed to join uh, Swansea City and Charlie Patino uh, on loan there for the rest of the season. What do you make of that as a deal? Because it'll be his first you know, move away from the club and, and a good level in the championship. Yeah, a really good move for Sego Jr. He's been doing well for the 21s this season. Um, was something of a surprise to see him chosen ahead of the likes of Mario Cozy Dubri for that debut that was given in the Carabao Cup back in September mm. against Brentford, where he did play, played pretty well, uh, and has got 10 assists and three goals in 16 appearances, I think, for the 21s this season. So he's been doing pretty well. Um, I think it says a lot about him that he's got this move to the championship instead of a lower level. There's 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 good interest there. And what's interesting about Sega Jr. And, and people in the academy have sort of compared him more to an Alex Awobi than a Bakaya Saka type comparison, if that makes sense, in the sense that he's not always been the standout name who has been, you know, destined to make it to the first team, but just through sheer hard work and persistence and being a real sponge to what coaches have to say. Coaches love him. Um, as he comes up through the youth team. So, yeah, he's he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. He's he's progressing really well. And Swansea's a great move for him. I'm, I'm hoping that he can get some regular game time because if he can do well in the championship, we've already seen. Look at other teams like, uh, I don't know, Chelsea and, and, and Manchester City where if you loan players out to the championship and they do pretty well, potentially, you know, even if they don't make it at Arsenal, there is something to be said about potential resale value. And that is something that Arsenal will, will be looking at. He only signed a professional contract in 2022. So, there's a while to go yet. He won't be out of contract this summer, as far as I'm aware. I think it was a three-year deal, so I think he's got time left on his contract. So, yeah, a good move for Sega Jr., a good move for Arsenal, a good move all round, and hopefully he can get some game time because Swansea are a good team and they play football the right way. So, yeah, it'd be nice to see him do well there, hopefully. 
Mm, revealing maybe a championship side there. Uh, <laughs> their allegiances to, to Swansea. But no, I think they've, you know, have always been a team that have played. I remember when they came out to the Premier League and, and played some good football under Brendan Rodgers. Um, and we're certainly praised for it. Meet you, uh, the uh, Premier League icon uh, that was Meet you at that time. Um, other loan moves potentially. Uh, we're hearing that um, Zayn Monlu, uh, defender, uh, has been linked with the move to Reading. Uh, I think Sammy Mottbeller, the mayor, initially reporting that story. Is that a, is that a good move like Swansea would be? Because then Reading have got their issues at the moment, it's fair to say. Yeah, Monlu is a player who's been doing pretty well for the 21s uh, for a while now, but he's never quite made that step up into first team football. And I haven't been able to watch the academy as much as I, I have been in previous seasons just because of how full on the first team schedule has been. But when I have been able to see him, he looks like a player who could benefit from a little bit of first team exposure. And he gets that in the, in the is it called the Papa John's Trophy these days? Or has they changed mm, that? Yeah, still the Papa the John's Trophy. Trophy. I'm hungry now. Uh, yeah, so that kind of stuff is good for him and he'll get more regular exposure at Reading. The difficulty is being at a team like Reading who have got all their issues and they're battling relegation in League One and... The ownership is very difficult for them, that situation. Is that the kind of thing you want to be throwing yourself into as a young player? Is that the kind of environment where you want to be? I'm not sure, but Ruben Sellers is a good coach. Uh, did well at Southampton under difficult circumstances last year as well. And if that is where Monolui ended up going, then be a, a, uh, an interesting move for him. It'd be good to see how he gets on in the in the first team environment. And again, like it's worth noting that all these players who are leaving on permanent transfers, there's something to be said for that for Arsenal. Just a little bit of cash in the till. And yeah, can't hurt. Mm. Uh, a couple more uh, potential loans. Um, we've seen suggestions that Omar Rekic uh, could be off to Servette in Switzerland. Again, another nation whose uh, market remains open for some time after the, the English deadline closes. And another one, uh, which might not be announced until a little bit later on down the line, is Marquinhos, who's currently with the Brazilian under-23s at a pre-Olympic tournament. They played tonight, actually, against Venezuela. Um, but he's being linked with a potential loan move to Corinthians, uh, I'm told, this morning. So, those two, again, two players who Arsenal signed from clubs, you know, um, had to Berlin, I think it was, that, that Reckitt came in from initially, Sao Paulo, where Marquinhos came from, don't look like they're going to be making it at the senior level with Arsenal, despite at the moment it being still temporary moves being talked about. Yeah, it does seem to be that way, doesn't it? I guess you can never say never, but it seems to be that way. Um, Marquinhos is an interesting transfer where Arsenal are trying to build bridges in South America. Um, it's a smart move for Medi to try and build some relationships there. We've seen it work for Real Madrid and Barcelona, and that is where Arsenal are looking in the long run with that kind of deal. And it's always good to, to have those kind of relationships going. The difficulty is, of course, work permits and all that kind of stuff is very difficult in the post-Brexit uh, world in which we live. So life is difficult for Arsenal there, but you know they're trying. And Marquinhos hasn't quite worked out as a first-team transfer. Did okay when he first arrived at Arsenal, but went a bit off the boil didn't do very well at Norwich, um, hasn't done that well at Nantes either. So, yeah, a move back to Brazil might not be the worst move in the world for him, given that he started at Sao Paulo and did all right at Sao Paulo. And that's where he started to build his name and attracted interest from across Europe. So, yeah, potentially a, a good move for him if that is where he ends up. Um, I think we all still like to see him do pretty well at Arsenal because, you know, mm. a lot of people at the club loved him. Um, you know, you spoke to people around him and Mills Smith Rowe said he was his favourite player to have a chat with. I don't quite know how they spoke because they didn't really speak much English <laughs> at the time, but I remember that USA tour, he said he was speaking, he was very funny. Uh, I don't quite know what jokes they were sharing. Really? Yeah. yeah, because I heard that he he hadn't had the easiest of times with English and that he 
it's and even to this day is a struggle with the language so yeah. it's interesting to hear <laughs> what jokes yeah. would have been going on between him and smith Rowe. physical comedy ultimate physical comedian clearly marquinhos mm. uh unfortunately he hasn't been able to 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 translate any of that sort of six the what's the word comedic success to comedic to success pitch. into yeah. on pitch success exactly but yeah that could be coming hopefully bring him back in brazil and then See, we go from there in the summer. There's quite a few players like that, like you mentioned, in the Arsenal Academy setup right now. Yeah, and just briefly on Rekic, obviously he went uh, on loan to Sparta Rotterdam last season, didn't really play, got recalled, went to Wigan, um, played a bit more uh, with Miguel Aziz, actually, at that time, who we'll come on to shortly. Uh, this season, he went back to Wigan, um, then came back at the end of that uh, short-term loan deal and is now potentially off to, to Switzerland. Again, another player in his early 20s that it's difficult to see a pathway, especially when you look at the defenders now at Arsenal, the money being spent and the players like Saliba who have recently come through and uh, we've, we've got so much talent there still and I think there's probably interest from Arsenal in, in potentially doing some business in the defensive area in the summer again, which would make it even harder for him. So, uh, Miguel Aziz, I mentioned his name. Uh, if we're talking about permanent exits, he's in uh, talks with a third-tier Spanish side. What went wrong for him? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky one for Aziz. There's lots of talk about when it came to on the pitch his talent was never really questioned on the ball he was always a player who was spoken about with having great technical ability could see a pass great on the ball uh, Arsenal wanted to work with him off the ball and that was where they felt he needed to improve the most and that's why they initially sent him out on loan to Portsmouth the lower tiers where you know there's less time to be good on the ball there's a lot more hustling and harrying and you have to be very good off it and he wanted to improve that side of his game it, it didn't quite work out from there they recalled him he did lots of work with a, a personal trainer to try and improve his strength and, and improve that ability. But uh, unfortunately, it didn't work. And then successive loan spells at uh, Ibiza and then Wigan didn't quite work there either. And um, yeah, the, the stories about how he came back from Wigan and the, maybe the, some of the disciplinary issues, I think, made it a bit difficult for him to, to go back out on loan after that. And he did try and secure an exit in the summer. Arsenal were willing to let him go, but uh, he's finally got the exit now. It looks like, you know, it's obviously still a few things behind out and the clubs are negotiating over sell-on clauses and all that kind of stuff. But mm. it's a shame because he was a very talented player and I think he just had a few things to work on and um, doesn't quite seem to have worked out. But listen, maybe you can still have a good career in Spain. He does have a Spanish passport, which does make that move a little bit easier. And hopefully he can go out there and, and fulfil some of the potential because I think we all remember being very excited in that lockdown season where he got his debut, came on against Dundalk and was in the, I think, the Premier League squad for Sheffield United away. And mm. I remember thinking, wow, this is... Potentially a really good, a really good youngster for Arsenal, but hasn't quite worked out for him, unfortunately. Uh, hopefully, he can find success elsewhere. Uh, Alex Runnison, his story with Arsenal finally comes to an end. Uh, he has been recalled from his loan with with Cardiff, where he's now agreed to mutually terminate his contract, and it's expected that he'll join Champions League side uh, FC Copenhagen um, for the rest of the well for, on a permanent deal. Which obviously, uh, I suppose, is is in the end probably a, a nice end to the story for him that he'll have a, a permanent place where he can perhaps get some more minutes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it will be. <laughs> it's interesting with Brunson um, because he's obviously been on loan since his first season. You, you can easily forget that he's an Arsenal player, but he is going. Um, I don't think he did particularly well at Cardiff. Only played eight times. Um, did okay with a couple of loan spells in Turkey and, and Belgium. And I think he's a player who probably Arsenal will regret signing. Uh, might go down as one of the worst signings in Arsenal history without being too mm. harsh on him. Well, I suppose the fee maybe negates that. Yeah, sure. But, um, it was a bit of a disaster, wasn't he, when he came in for Arsenal in goal and 
very much not at the level of Emmy Martinez, who he replaced, and uh, hasn't really worked out as a signing. Thankfully, in Aaron Ramsdale and, and David Raya, Arsenal got their, their next few goalkeeping signings a lot better. But uh, yeah, Runnison will go down, I think, as a, a blot on the coffee book of the Arsenal recruitment team, who have been pretty successful in recent seasons. But that is one they will, I think, have against them for a while to come. Indeed. Um, we'll finish with two other youth players, uh, actually, who uh, will, will be leaving. And in the case of Bradley Ibrahim, has already left uh, the club on a permanent deal. We're still waiting to hear about Lino Sosa's official confirmation of his move to, to Aston Villa, which is expected. Um, but just starting with Bradley Ibrahim um, before we end the show with Sosa. He's a player, obviously, that played in midfield. Um, he's, he's good. At, he's a really good passer. He's got plenty of assists for, for Mehmet Ali's side and progresses the ball really, really well. But do you think this is more linked to the fact that a player like Miles Lewis Skelly has kind of come through the ranks in the midfield and that's probably stopped the pathway to the, the senior team and so therefore, therefore he's, he's searched for an opportunity abroad? To be fair to Ibrahim, he has been on the bench on occasion, I think, for Arsenal in the first team. First so, game of the season? Yeah. Um, and also, you know, he, he played at centre back as well as um, in midfield. So he's got he's got a versatility that Arteta will or would have potentially liked. But um, I think with with a lot of these Arsenal players, he obviously signed his professional terms a few years ago. Um, came through, was captain of the side that reached the FA Youth Cup um, final under Jack Wilshere last season, and could have lifted that trophy. But I think we're seeing with a, a few of these Arsenal players who are leaving on, on permanent transfers that. They're coming to that stage of their career. They're coming to that stage of their contract where decisions need to be made. And you mentioned Lino Sosa as well. Um, for him, it was six months left on his deal. Uh, Arsenal were, you know, fair in allowing him to lead to pursue opportunities at Aston Villa. And he'll go on loan to Plymouth Argyle in the championship for the rest of the season, which will be good for him. So, yeah, it's 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 a tricky one. And you do worry about the, the, the wider implications for Arsenal. And I remember when Amari Hutchinson left and, and some of the the talk around Arsenal slowly starting to get a reputation for being a team where youth players didn't quite get the chance in the first team. And it's, it seems crazy to say for Arsenal because obviously a lot of their success is built on Gabriel Martinelli, Bakaya Saka and Mill Smith-Rowe, these, these young, talented players who have come through and been given their chance in the first team. But in recent years, I know maybe you could argue that the talent hasn't been on the same level as those three and those three are arguably generational talents for Arsenal, but it hasn't quite translated yet. And you look across... The Premier League and you look last night at Liverpool who gave Connor Bradley a, a chance and he's obviously come in and scored and got to assist against Chelsea and suddenly it looks like a stroke of genius but Liverpool do have a, a better track record I'd say for, for giving youth players a chance and coming in and, and playing some of those minutes and you think back to that PSV game where we were all expecting one of Rua, Walters, Lino Sosa or Ethan Winieri to maybe start or definitely come off the bench and, and none of them did and Arteta instead mm-hmm. chose to bring on Declan Rice and play Cedric and you wonder in the long run whether those decisions were the right ones. And if Arsenal start to lose their reputation as being a side where youth are given a chance for their ability to attract youth in a market that's as competitive as London, where, you know, they've got Chelsea, Fulham, uh, West Ham, Spurs, um, Charlton, QPR. I could keep going, naming London clubs, Brentford, where they're up against some really talented uh, teams with really good youth academies, really good youth setups. You wonder, do Arsenal have a, a bit of a risk of, of losing out of their, their sort of pulling power against those teams? Because there a few players now have, have fallen through their fingertips and I don't think Arsenal will lose sleep in the sense that maybe they weren't players who were ever going to trouble the first team. But you look at what Chelsea do, you look at what City have done in terms of balancing their books and Arsenal struggles financially this month. 
selling those academy prospects for big money is something that can be really, really lucrative if you get it right. And Arsenal will maybe start to think about how they manage these players going forward because there is a, a bit of a disappointment, I think, that none of them, none of that generation have really come through and, and troubled the first team or really left for significant fees because I think there was definitely a few players in there who, who could have really been quite good for Arsenal on that front. Mm, yeah, certainly. Uh, players that have, have left Arsenal down the years. Eberetje Ezzat is doing fantastically. Uh, Crystal Palace left Arsenal at a very young age, of course. And Serge Gnabry, uh, fans will remember, you know, losing him. And, and did we give him enough of an opportunity under Arsene Wenger? And going back a little bit further now. But certainly, we want to see more youth players coming through and, and being given an opportunity. I think Arteta's right when he said after the PSV draw that you have to find the right context to give those players minutes. But when you, you go 5 new up at half-time against RC Lawns and you've got some kids on the bench, you think, well, that's a great opportunity to play them in a Champions League game, but doesn't. Or at the end of last season, when it was a you know a game that wasn't competitive in any way against Wolves, were very comfortable in it, and you don't give a Mario Kojadubri an opportunity in that game. So there are things, I think, chances missed. Um, I think there's games in which certainly I, I wouldn't necessarily push it as much, but there are examples that are rightly brought up. So just to end the show, Lino Sosa, I think, probably falls into that same category then, doesn't he? Yeah, sadly. Uh, it's a real shame for Arsenal to, to lose him because I think he was a really good prospect and I think he will go on to have quite a good career and I think Aston Villa have got a real gem there and he's obviously from the Midlands, um, was at West Brom before, so maybe makes sense to him to move back a bit closer to his family now that opportunity came up, but I really liked Lino Sosa. I think he had the mentality as well as the uh, technique and talent to go on and become a really good player for Arsenal. But yeah, like you say, falls into that brackets of sort of what might have been. Yeah, those those deals, Lino Sosa and Bradley Ibrahim, are both permanent uh, moves. So there will be uh, a fee that is at the moment undisclosed um, between Arsenal and those those clubs and any details that we do get eventually. Uh, you can assure that we'll be reporting it on, on football.london. Claire, any final thoughts for the window? Uh, for the window, no, I think that's that's it. Can kind of, I think we've wrapped it up quite nicely there. Um, yeah, not too many regrets on not bringing in players, but I think maybe something to be said about how Arsenal sell players in the future and how they manage the academy. Definitely, there's a few things to be learned, I think, from from this window and the way things have worked out because there's some talented youngsters in there that Arsenal aren't maybe aren't, aren't making the most of in the way other teams are. Mm. Agreed. Um, thank you uh, for listening, uh, people, either on YouTube or on audio platforms. We hope that you've enjoyed this uh, soft relaunch uh, of the Arsenal way, and which is going to be bringing you a, a weekly dedicated podcast from myself and Kaya going forwards. Uh, anything new that, of course, pops up, you can go and find out all the breaking stories around the club, uh, Arsenal, Chelsea and Tottenham, of course, on the football.london website. Uh, and you can follow Kaya at, he's going to tell you right now, KayaKainat97 on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook, KayaKainat Journalist. There you go. You can follow myself at Tom Canton Media. And so make sure you check out all of our written work over at football.london. As I say, have a fantastic rest of your evening. I'm not sure it's going to be too enthralling, uh, but who knows? Maybe there's a shock in store. We'll have to wait and see. Have a great day, great evening. And as always, up the Arsenal and keep following us down the Arsenal way.